Amen. Isn't it good to be in church this morning? Praise the Lord. I know some folks got off from last week. They played in the snow. They were so tired they couldn't come today. I've heard some good ones. Praise the Lord. So good to see everybody, man. Uh, Olin, man. I just, can we give God praise for Olin in here with us today? Amen. Wow. Surprise to me, he got me, he didn't even call me and tell me he was coming, so that was a thank you for that, Olin Wolf, and I'm going to get more into that here probably in my sermon towards the end, but man, what a story that this gentleman has today that God has blessed him in the hospital with COVID, and God brought him out, here he is this morning, so praise God for that. Want to continue our 100 Days to Glory, if you've started that, please continue it, it goes uh, through April, and uh, I can't remember the exact date, does anybody else remember? The 10th, April the 10th, that's right, it's on the 11th. Uh, see, my birthday's on the 18th, so I'll be glad when my fast is over, praise the Lord. Just in time. Uh, also, membership joining, if you'd like to join or transfer, please see myself or Miss Sandra Mickler. She's our administrative assistant. She's sitting on the keyboard this morning. And uh, we need to know by the end of January, that means you got this week and next week to let us know. And, uh, and then in February, the 1st of February, I'll announce the date that we're going to bring people forward and, and, um, and join them to the church, which we're excited about. Also, Junior Talent, uh, January the 30th, that's next Sunday, lunch and practice. Lunch will be provided. They will practice until 2.30. This is for our kids' junior uh, talent that they're going to be doing. It's at Praise Cathedral, um, and so we're excited about that for them. Also, our youth that are going to Shabbat 2022, their parents will meet next Sunday. That's January 30th as well. going to be a lot going on. In both of our kids' departments, uh, January 30th, you're going to walk straight down this hallway into the choir room, and that's where they'll be meeting about that. Family Day will be next Sunday, January 30th. You don't want to miss January the 30th, all right? There's a pile going on January the 30th, and it's going to all be good. So be here January the 30th. Our children are going to be worshiping with us. Some of them are going to be helping sing and different things like that, so it's going to be a real exciting service. They're not here today, but J.D. and Hannah Roper uh, had their son. And so Rhett Duncan Roper was born on 1-11-22, weighed 5 pounds, 15 ounces, 19 and 3 quarter inches long. And so um, we'll give them a hand clap. I don't know if they're watching today on Facebook or not, but congratulations, guys. We got some grandparents here that are happy and proud. And so congratulations to all of you guys. They're determined to grow the church, and I praise the Lord for that. We'll do it one way or the other. Diaper drop-off is available through next Sunday. Uh, had the baby just a little earlier, so if you were planning on getting, uh, bringing diapers for them, please bring some by next week. It'll be dropped off at the back here. There's a container and a holder for that. So we look forward to blessing them in that way, and they're also taking uh, children reading books, storybooks, instead of the um, cards, all right? So let's do that for them if we could to help them out. Also, as we go to prayer, Daryl Terry's family, that is Ada Ede's brother-in-law, he passed away this week. They were from California, came down to visit Miss Ada, and he ended up passing. Uh, matter of fact, the day that he came down was the day that he got sick, ended up in the hospital. Uh, just a sad uh, story. He was 79, and let's pray for his uh, wife as well that God would be with her, especially they were married for quite a number of years. So she really needs our prayers. Continue prayers for those in our church that have been sick, uh, whether it be virus, whether it be cancer, whatever, 
we have several that have been sick and so we speak healing over them today and pray that God would touch them and their families. How many of you come to let the Lord, have you come with an open heart to hear what God has to say? Open ears, just ready. I mean, I want us, as we pray, let's just ask God, open up our hearts, open up our minds, open up our ears, that as the word is being preached today, as the songs are being sung today, that it literally infiltrates us. I mean, it just stirs us so deep within that we leave this place saying, man, this was a place I'm glad I was at today. I was glad that I was in the house of the Lord. How many of you believe that God can do that today in this service? He has intentions to bless us today. He has intentions for us to leave different than when we come. All we have to do is be receptive to what thus saith the Lord. All right, let's go to prayer. Give me a little more. Father, today we want to thank you for your powerful son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that there is nothing that is too hard for you. So today we are asking you to infiltrate this building. We are asking you, Holy Ghost, to to just move among your people in a way like we've never known before. We are praying and asking for blessings on those that are sick today, those that are unable to attend with us today because of sickness. Father, would you bring healing to them in Jesus' name? Father, we pray for uh, Daryl's family, Father, that you would be with them, Father's As they've lost him, we know that he's in heaven and he knew you and we praise you for that. But we pray for those hurting hearts that are left behind that you would be with them and touch them in a special way today. We pray for blessings on the Roper family with their new baby. Let everything, let him remain healthy and, and just prosper, Father. Bless that family. Father, we pray in Jesus' name today that every family represented, that by the time we leave this place, we will know that we have been in the presence of an almighty God. Shake us from within. Shake us to the core. Convict us. Draw us closer to you. Help us to leave different than when we come. And we will give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, have you come to bless the Lord today? Lord, we lift you in this place. Hallelujah. You alone are worthy of all our praise today. No matter what we come in here with today, oh God, we release that now to you to bless you. Hallelujah. Let's sing to the Lord today, church. No matter what it costs, I'll bring my thanks and praise and offering. Even with a broken heart, I'm singing hallelujah. No matter what I've lost, I'll sing to bless your name, my God and King. Even with a broken song, I'm singing hallelujah. on your promises I'm trusting in your faithfulness and once again I'm here to say I love you once again I'm here to bring you praise and even if it's broken I will lift up my hallelujah all the same thank you Lord Your goodness and your love endures for all my days forevermore. Even on the battle line, I'm singing 
next song just take a moment to bless the Lord together church he is worthy there was none like our God Lord we lift you up in this place magnify the Lord with me church he is worthy we bless you oh God there is none like you you alone are worthy speak his name church he is worthy he is worthy today church he is worthy for putting all this stuff off of us from this past week now all the stuff hanging around our heads and our minds. We cast it off now, O oh Lord, just to lift you up and magnify you. For we know, O oh God, you hold the key to all of this, O oh God. Your return is very near. And in the hearts of Christians and those that believe in you, we should be rejoicing because we know your return is near. For that's our hope, O oh God, your return. 
And Lord, we right now rejoice in you, in your name. We bless your holy name, Lord Jesus. Oh God, give us that hope. Let us see that hope in you now, Lord Jesus. For those here today that don't have that hope, that don't see that bright future because of you, I pray you touch their lives right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We lift you up. Now lift up the Lord together, church. Glorify his name together. Lord, we bless you. We praise you, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Let's worship the Lord together, church. Hallelujah. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. Jesus. Jesus in the street. 
Jesus from the mountain, and Jesus in the streets, and Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. Oh, your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn light. bridge again. Can you just say that name together? Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Whatever you're facing. Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Hallelujah. Jesus in the darkness over every Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout it. Shout Jesus from the mountain, Jesus in the street, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name.
Jesus some praise in this house. Give God a hand clap today. Amen. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My strength and my redeemer. Father, bless us. Holy Spirit, take, take reins now. Let the Holy Spirit speak to us today. If I had to title this one today, I'm going to title it, Is This Why You Brought Us Out? Is this why you brought us out? When we look at the journey of the children of Israel, it serves as an example to us of our journey from salvation to victory. It really serves as the storyline of coming out of sin, out of bondage, on a journey to where God saves us with a mighty outstretched arm. And he takes us ultimately to a place of victory. Throughout the Old Testament when you look at Egypt. Egypt is always representative or symbolic of the world. It represents sin. The ten plagues of Egypt are examples of the distress that God can allow to be poured out. On those that are disobedient or sinners that refuse to recognize their need for God. The Passover that we read of in Exodus is a type of Calvary. The children of Israel leave with the wealth of Egypt to illustrate that there are true riches of God through salvation. If you're poor today, if you've got Jesus, you're richer than you ever know. The next part of their journey is interesting because God has an 18-month trip that is planned for them. Now, for most of you today, if I told you we were going on a across the country, 18-month trip, how many of you would want to sign up? Anybody? Any takers? And we can let the church pay for it, right? Oh, man, everybody's going. 18 months. But this journey was not that way. A matter of fact, we find that there's some that are going on the journey that actually want to go back to Egypt. The trip is designed to turn a people that have been in bondage to a people of faith. A people that see the power of God demonstrated before them. It is during this time that God is going to show them miracles that will blow their mind. He is going to provide water from a rock. He is going to have a pillar of cloud by day. A pillar of fire by night to guide them and separate them from their enemies. He is literally going to destroy their enemy at their feet. And they're not going to have to do anything but trust in Jesus. He gives them the Ten Commandments, the new law. He gives them civil law or civil government and rules to live by. 
He feeds them literally with manna or what we'll call miracle food, a.k.a. manna, every single day. When they need food, God sends it. You know, it's amazing that God can be so good to us. And we are so soon to forget how good God's really been. God can bring us through trials and we can celebrate, but so often we forget just a few weeks out or some, I think it's getting shorter and shorter now because we expect God to do so much for us because that's what we think his job title is, is to take care of our needs and our wants. But that's not what God's about at all, all right? I don't serve God just because of what he can bless me with or what he can give me. But we find Israel that regardless of how much God has done, regardless of all that he's given them, they complained and wanted to return to Egypt. They wanted, listen to this, they wanted to choose a life of slavery rather than a life of freedom and victory. I mean, who wants to be a slave, right? If I were to describe to you what it's like to be a slave in Egypt, I would have to tell you that according to Moses and his writings, he says one day he's looking and he sees a fellow Jew that is literally being beaten with a whip by an Egyptian. So to be a slave means you're getting beat on, right? To be a slave means that Pharaoh says, y'all been making brick with straw, but I'm going to take the straw from you and y'all are going to have to figure out how to make your own bricks. Listen to me, folks. There is no freedom in slavery. Therefore, there is no freedom in a life of sin. None. The only thing that sin does to me The only thing that sin does to you is it binds us. Come on, somebody. And I don't care what the enemy says, all right? If if you are, and, and Satan will try, I'm telling you, he will try to make sin seem like it's not such a big deal. If we allow things in our lives, Satan will say, oh, you're really not bound, man. You're, you're really, you're just living now, right? You're living, you're fine. But let me tell you something. You are bound. There is no freedom in slavery. A matter of fact, you are bound to something. So so whether it's drugs, whether it's a cigarette, whether it's alcohol, whether it's pornography, whatever it may be, and we could name a multitude of different sins. But in reality, regardless of what the devil says, if we allow ourselves to go back to Egypt, we are not living in the freedom and the victory that the children of God have been called to live in today. How many of you want to live in victory? I mean, how many of you really want to live in the freedom that God has intended for you? And there is only so much that God will do to take us to this place of victory. And then the rest we have to do for ourselves. And and there is a reason for this. See, I want to read to you a scripture. I thought this was interesting. In Exodus 23 and verse 28 through 30. Watch this. God said, and I will send hornets... Before you. Can I tell somebody God can do whatever he wants to do. To get you the victory. If he has to move somebody out the way in your life. To get you to the place he wants you to be. He'll move them. If there is a boss that is standing in your way of your promotion. And you've been faithful. God will move that boss out the way to get you your promotion child of God. God can do anything he wants. And so. I was looking this up, I thought, hornets? Man, this is crazy stuff. Have you ever heard of those killer hornets, like killer bees and stuff like that? Them things are bad to the bone. 
I mean, you don't mess with those things. I've got a hornet that comes around my house sometimes, certain time of the year. I don't know if they have a, a nest or whatever they build. I don't know what they're called, but that joker's got to be that long. And when he comes on the porch, I can be at one end and he can be at the other. And I hear him coming. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't try to stare them down. They're going to win every time. That thing just looks at you so mean like, boy, I'm going to sting you. And you know what I do? I give him the front porch. It's his. I can drink the coffee on the inside. But the Bible said, now I looked it up and it says, well, this meaning is kind of unknown in some versions. Well, I'm just going to read it for what it says. God said, I'm sending hornets before you. And they are going to drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, the Hittites from before you. So God says, I'm going to take care of them. Verse 29, I will not drive out before you in one year, or not drive them out before you in one year, lest the land become desolate, the beasts in the field become too numerous. Look at verse 30. He said, little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased, and you inherit your land, you inherit your promise. Now, understand with me. I like the words that I see in this scripture because it says, little by little, I'm going to bless you. See, I need somebody to understand today that God doesn't always give us a jackpot. I mean, sometimes He does. Sometimes we win and we win big and we're like, oh, how great is our God. But oftentimes it is little by little. A small victory after another small victory. And God says the whole time what I am doing, I am bringing you into something that you've never seen before. You've got to be patient. You've got to trust. You've got to have faith that I know exactly what I'm doing. And little by little, I am bringing you to the land or the place of inheritance. He said, you will inherit the land. Now, there's something about this scripture that I need you to understand. During this particular time, and I don't have time to read all of it, but during this particular time, the children of Israel are experiencing what we call a spiritual plateau. Does anybody know what a spiritual plateau is? Does anybody know what a plateau is? A plateau is if we were to start in the valley and I was to go upward, all right, and then we start, you with me? We're going down. The plateau is at the highest point of whatever peak you're making, right? That's the plateau. It's the highest point. And so Israel has gotten to this plateau, right? And most people would say, praise the Lord. This is a great thing, right? We're on a spiritual high, praise the Lord. God's moving. Boy, this is a great place to be. It's a spiritual plateau. Good, right? Wrong. That was the answer to my own question. Wrong. Because spiritual plateaus get us comfortable. When we get to a certain height and we think, man, God has blessed us. Look at all that God has done, the miracles around us. If we're not careful, we'll get to a place that we'll fail to recognize the great things that God has done. We're at a spiritual high and we get comfortable and we we don't have to pray, we don't have to read, we don't have to do anything. All we've got to do is chill, right? Because we're at a spiritual plateau. When in reality, God is saying, wait a minute. I want to bring you to an even higher place. I mean, whoever said if we're doing a graph, I mean, what business gets out there and says, all right, guys, look at where we are. We're all the way right here. This is the highest point we've ever been. 
Let's chill and relax. Things are going great. Let's just watch it go back down and we'll celebrate on the way back up. Do you know what they say? They say, we're right here. Our goal for the next quarter is to be here. We're not going this way. Let's just keep going upward. So when we get to a place of comfortability and we feel like everything's going good, it can really be a dangerous place to be. You know, I think about it like um, we just had a council meeting this week and we're, we've been talking about some phase two things. That's things that we're moving forward with. And one of the things we've been talking about, and you'll be hearing about very shortly, is, is about a, a total remodel. Just remodeling the whole sanctuary, right? Just go and gut it. Let's do it. That's called phase two. Now, let me tell you what could happen if we're not careful. We could get comfortable and say, well, we just finished phase one. Why would we want to do phase two? And my answer to you is because God wants to take us higher than where we are. And so if we're not careful, even in things in the church, whether it's spiritual, whether it's material, we can reach a spiritual plateau to where we say, oh, let's just, let's just chill right here. And when we do that, what we find by Israel as a decline begins to happen rather than an incline when we say, man, God is doing something great. God has brought us out that He may bring us in. He did not bring us out just to stay at this place. God has brought us out of Egypt and out of bondage to celebrate His freedom and to go to the land that He has promised us. There's better things ahead. Listen, folks, if you or on a job, you know, I've met people that, it's funny because you ask them, say, well, do you want a promotion? What does a promotion mean? More pay, right? Naturally, or you don't take the promotion. However, it means more responsibility. Now, I've talked to some people that said, preacher, pray that God gives me a promotion. All right, man, we can pray for that. Yeah, as long as you're a faithful tithe payer, we'll be praying <laughs> Oh, hallelujah. And we're sitting here and we're saying, man, we'll, we'll pray about this. But I want you to understand something about God. Watch this. God has this way that when we reach this place of plateau, this place of satisfaction, I won't call any names, but a few years back I was talking to a guy about a promotion. And the guy told me, he said, I don't want the promotion. I said, What? You've been talking about promotion. You don't want the promotion. He said, no, no, no. And his exact words was this. I'm comfortable where I am. That is a plateau. You know, I'm afraid that there's some of us in this house that we have put ourselves on a plateau. And we have said, this is as high as I can go. I have come today to tell you that God has given you freedom. He has set you free. You are the head and not the tail. I need you to understand that God did not call any Christian in this building to stay right here. I came to tell you today, get off of the pew of comfortability and say, God, I'm ready to go to a higher place. Yes, it may mean more responsibility. It may be a little more stress but at the end of the day I'm wanting to go higher than I am right now I talk to pastors sometimes they make me laugh when they tell me that they like the church the way it is it makes me funny when I talk to leaders and they tell me oh we like the crowd we got we don't want no new people new people means trouble what 
and I'm sitting here thinking, what's wrong with you, man? Have you lost your mind? But what I understand is they've reached a plateau. It's comfortable. They like where it is. They don't want to shake up things. And this is exactly where Israel is. There is literally, listen to me, miracles have become an everyday thing, an everyday occurrence every day. It's no longer a big deal, right? So in other words, they get up in the morning and there's manna falling everywhere. Now, if... if <laughs> If I told God, hey God, we'd love for you to serve us some angel food cake today. Y'all just hold your hand out, the miracle's coming. And all of a sudden, little mini angel food cakes fall in everybody's hand and we eat. I mean, how many of you going to leave this place saying, my God, have mercy, what a miracle. Is there anybody? Are y'all going to leave like y'all are now? No, you're going to leave excited. God did a miracle. But what if you come back next Sunday and I say, all right, God, all right, boys, it's time to eat. Girls, it's time to eat. Let's put, let's put our hand out. God, let the manna fall. And God puts that one. I really don't like the taste of this. You know, it is a little bland. And this is exactly what happens to Israel. Day after day after day, miracle after miracle after miracle until finally they say, well, you know, we were hungry, and this man at first, it tasted pretty good. I mean, it's like when you're on a diet, and you get the fake sugar, and you think it's a great thing. Because you haven't had it, it taste so good, but after a while, you get sick of it. And you want the greasy food. And you want pizza. And you want the real chocolate cake because your body doesn't want that any longer. And this is exactly where they've come. Now it's bland. Now it's not that good. And so the miracle is no longer a miracle. It is just something that's normal. But in reality, it's still a miracle. Manna falling from heaven, that's a miracle, folks. I mean, that's like saying it's raining cats and dogs and you look outside and literally cats and dogs are falling, right? I mean, that's a miracle. And so we've got a rock. They strike it. Water comes out the rock. We're thirsty. You want water? All right, here you go. Let me strike it. He tells Moses, you can speak to it today. Water's going to come out. It's a miracle. But guess what? After several times, it's no longer a miracle. They walk up to a Red Sea, the biggest sea in their area. They cannot swim across it. They cannot survive. The enemy is behind mountains on either side. They can't climb. They cannot swim across. They've got some old people in the back. And even the young people don't have enough strength to make it all across this miles long. What does God do? Stretch your rod over the sea, Moses. All right, Lord. It parts. Not only does it part and there's a wall on either side. The ground that they are walking on is just as dry as this carpet is. Nobody gets bogged down. But when Pharaoh's army tries to get there after Israel has crossed and is safe, all of a sudden the mud starts bogging them down. The water closes in on them. All the enemy dies. That's what you call a miracle. But see, when God is so good to us, like He is, if we are not careful, He has done so much for us, 
He does it so often for us that the miracles. See, see, if you were to take a pair of shoes today to some kid over, maybe even some here. We, we talk about overseas. There's kids here that don't even have shoes. But, but you take it to someone without and you give them a pair of shoes. To them, it's a miracle. They're so thankful for it. If I brought Brian a pair of shoes, sure, he'd say thank you. But at the end of the day, he knows he doesn't really have to have them. Right? Now, if I brought Brian a pair of shoes every day, I mean, after a while, it gets old. And this is why God takes them on a journey to let them understand, listen, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do miracles in your life. But whatever you do, don't forget why I brought you out of Egypt. Don't forget to glorify me and to give me honor and praise and to look back at the great things that God has done in your life. So let's go to Numbers chapter 11. Now, the mixed multitude who were among them yielded the incense cravings. Now I want to grab you here. The first thing I want you to see, and there's two different meanings, but the first one, the mixed multitude, I want to just tell you not everyone was complaining. There was a group that was complaining. There's a group that's fussing. There's a group that's arguing. But there were some in the crowd that weren't doing that. I want to thank God that in the middle of chaos, and in a world that's going to hell in a handbasket, I want to thank God that there's a mixed multitude. There's still a few people that really still love Jesus, still serve Jesus, are still doing the best that they can every single day. Thank God there's still a crowd that instead of complaining about what happened yesterday, they're still thanking God for the miracles that He brought their way. Somebody in this house, you ought to give God praise because if you don't, God may not do it tomorrow. So he reminds them of where they've come from. So there's a mixed multitude. So the children of Israel also wept again. And they said, who will give us meat to eat? I mean, how in the world are we going to eat? He goes on and say, we remember the fish that we ate freely in Egypt. I mean, we had some good food there. It was free food. A matter of fact, he said there's cucumbers, there's melons, there's leeks, there's onions, there's garlic. But now it's dried up. There's nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. So he's saying in Egypt, we did what we wanted to do. We were better off to be slaves. In theory, he is saying that the food was better in Egypt than it is in the spiritual illustration that is giving here. There is something in their hearts that is being enticed to go back to where God pulled them from. We could look even at the mixed multitude and understand that even among the world that there's those old friends, there's those old cravings, there's those old memories. This is how Satan entices us. He uses people, a mixed multitude in our lives sometimes to get us to go back to worldly ways, to get us to go back to our sinful ways. All they see in their life is this manna. Which means the bread of life. We also talked about not too many weeks ago that manna means what isn't. They didn't really know. All they knew was they were hungry and God gave them something to eat. This represents a person who gets saved and they go to church. 
And when they get the church, they're handed a Bible. And they're told, well, just read your Bible. Can I tell somebody that when somebody is a young Christian in Christ, I want to tell the older saints this because we need to know this. This is good for all of us. They need to be trained in the Word. They need to be taught what serving God is all about. So you can't just take a new convert and hand them a Bible. The, uh, no, the Bible's not enough. Somebody said, well, sure it is. No, because this new Christian, they need relationships. They need to have fun. That's right. I use the word fun in church. They need to have fellowship one with another. I mean, why do you think they need a prayer meeting? Why, 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 the, why do they need a Bible study? Why do we need Wednesday nights when we learn the Bible together? Because sometimes you need fellowship. You need fun. You need friendship. The church is more than just hand the Bible, live right, and God's going to take care of everything. We need one another. And I could preach a whole sermon on that. I remember when I was a youth pastor at a church and the pastor told me one day, said, uh, our young people aren't getting enough of the Word. And I said to him, they're getting a plenty of the Word. We took them to Carowinds, some different places, just to go out and celebrate and have fun. We'd have gatherings at the house sometime, watch shows together, do whatever. Just fun stuff, you know. It was all Christian. It was all PG. Everything's good. And so we just build relationships. That's what people need is relationships. Sometimes I think that's the part that we miss out. And that's why we have broken churches. That everybody kind of does their own thing. And instead of finding relationship and community within the body of Christ. And I remember telling that pastor, I said, my Lord. They get church on Sunday morning at Sunday school. They get church on Sunday morning worship. They've got a little youth group that meets on Sunday or church on Sunday night. They got a youth group thing going on on Wednesday night. How much more church do you think they need? We've lost relationship, community, and God says we need one another. Listen to me. If you do not influence people in the church, there is going to be a mixed multitude that is going to say, come back to Egypt with us. Drinking a beer was funner. Being in the bar together was so much more fun. Can I tell somebody today that there is joy in serving Jesus? And if we have lost the joy in serving Jesus, we ain't got nobody to blame but ourselves. Because Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord, that is my strength. So if you've lost your joy, get back to an altar and say, God, give me my good old salvation again. Let it flood my soul again. Remind me that you brought me out of Egypt. So that I can live in freedom and joy unspeakable and full of glory. Numbers eleven seventeen. Then he said, I will come down. I want you to watch this. This is powerful stuff here. He said, then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take of the spirit that is upon you, speaking to Moses, and will put the same upon them. They shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. I want to show you this. God gives leadership a moving of the Spirit to be able to help other people. I have to have an inflowing of the Holy Ghost. I have to. 
If I don't have an inflowing of the Holy Spirit, then there's no outflowing to you. Everybody still with me? So what God in theory tells Moses, he says, what I'm going to do, your people are going to get discouraged. There's even a group that is rising up that's saying, we're going back to Egypt. Is this why God brought us out? To go through the mess that we're going through? Did God save me so that I could go through another trial? Why did God save me and then God gave me cancer? Why did God save me but then I lost my marriage? Why did God save me and then my children started acting like hellions? We are going back to Egypt. But God said, Moses, I am going to meet with you and I am going to anoint you. And when I put the Spirit on you so heavy, you in turn give it to the people. Let there be an inflowing and an outflowing of the Spirit. I'm going to anoint you and bless you. See, I need to tell somebody something today. The Lord has blessed many of you in this building. But the reason that God has blessed you is so that you can bless somebody else. The reason that God's spirit and miracles happen in your life is so that you can testify of the goodness of God. Don't talk about how it used to be. And oh man, serving God ain't as good as I thought it was going to be. I went through a trial. Guess what? Whether you're saved or whether you're a sinner, it's going to rain on the just. It's going to rain on the unjust. So you crazy lunatics, go back to Egypt. But you're going to figure out you wish you'd have stayed and just ate your manna and shut your mouth. This is a miracle. You ought to receive it. And you ought to be grateful for it. And you ought to be a blessing to other people. Because God has been so good to you. Listen to me. If you're being pulled back to Egypt. And I'm telling you sometimes it try, Satan tries to tempt us back to the world. You need to reach out to people that God has anointed. To help you. Whether it be a leader. Whether it be a friend. Whether it be a pastor. It's not just prayer that we need ladies and gentlemen. We need a friend that can pull us through. We need a friend that can pour in to us when we are empty see the problem with the church is so often we try to bear our burdens alone and if we're going to do that we'd be better off in Egypt but if we're going to be the body of Christ and if we're going to be brothers and sisters in Christ then the reason we come to church the reason we are the church is so that we can pour into one another when you're in a fight brother don't you worry I want to stand beside you and I want to fight with you when you need prayer I want to pray with you when you just need to talk to somebody and cry I want to be the ear that listens but we've got to come through this together God has brought them to a place of community. His spirit is all around. My God have mercy. So in the body of Christ, it is the responsibility of the mature Christian, the mature in the Lord, to help young or even new Christians. So there's this tendency that we can get stuck, as I said, into our comfort zone. That we forget the race, the children that the Lord has given to us. That's why I say to somebody, you need to find a young convert and you need to start pouring into them. You need to find a young person. Some of you, Paul said it all the time, you that are mature. 
You go and you find somebody that's less mature. You find somebody that's struggling. And you go out there and you find them struggling. And and they're in pain. And you pour into them. Lest they go back to Egypt. How many of you understand that? You know, I think about our children in modern culture. It disturbs me. Because I'm going to tell you, some of these kids know more stuff than I know, and I'm an adult, and that's sad. I mean, the, our kids are learning so many things, whether they're getting it from the internet. I mean, the school systems, man, your kids come back telling you all kinds of stuff, and you're like, what? You heard that at school? I get angry. So I'm like, seriously? Is this what's happening in our world today? Can I tell you, that is why it is so important that God has blessed us with children. God has blessed us with teenagers. God has blessed us with some good youth right here. We better pour into them. We better let them know Jesus loves you. We better let them know God has plans for you. We better let them know that if you need anything, you come to pastor. You go to a leader. You go to your mama, your dad. You find somebody and you talk to them. Because if we don't do it, oh God, guess who will? Somebody from Egypt will. And next thing you know, your kids are being pulled back to where God brought them from. I say no, the devil would grin, the devil would be happy, but I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, that is not what we're going to allow to do. It is our responsibility as mature Christians to say, hey, you don't want to go back there. God has anointed Moses to pour into the people. God has anointed you to pour in the people. Rebuke the enemy off of their life. Rebuke the devil off of their life. Rebuke bad friends off of their life. God is wanting to take them to a higher place. Can somebody give God a hand clap of praise in this house today? I was reading a story the other day about the new convert. I love new converts. There's nothing like a new convert. But there was this young guy and the deacon takes him under his wings and he's getting him to do everything. He gets him to go get the tithing envelopes, put them out. He gets him to put the tissues out. I mean, whatever they need. Somebody say, there's some toilet paper needed in the bathroom. Hey, go get it, Bob. Bob goes and gets it. He takes off. He's a new convert. All he wants to do is the will of the Lord. He just wants to serve people, wants to help people. God brought him out of Egypt. He was a deep, dark sinner in a hellhole when God found him. But now all he wants to do is bless the people of God. Until one day he served faithfully and he finally walks up to the deacon. And he says, when do we get to do the stuff? To which the deacon, the mature Christian, replies, what stuff are you talking about, son? And he says, the stuff that I've been reading about in the book of Acts. Now that's exciting stuff. I want to get to the miracles. I want to get the laying hands on the sick and demons are coming out. I mean, I want to see the power of Pentecost. I love it. You know, I love new converts. I love love new members. And the reason I do is because they get so excited about what God is doing. You know, shame on us. But us older folks, and when I say older folks, I mean older converts. Sometimes if we're not careful, we get in our little rut, in our little plateau, in our little comfort zone. And next thing you know, God sends a new person and, and you can get in churches. This is the truth. You can get in a church full of deadheads and all of a sudden a new person come in and light a fire under every one of them. 
Because they get in there and say, let's do something. Let's get it done. Shame on us. When God has given us mature Christians, that we sit back and get comfortable and relax, and a new person has to come in and get excited about what God's doing. Can I tell you folks? That we should get excited when we realize that we serve a God that can do exceeding abundantly above all that we should ask or think. My God have mercy. God said I can do more than you could ever ask. Even the things that you can dream up. God said I'm bigger than that. I can do more than that. Can I tell somebody miracles still happen. Can I tell somebody today that there's a wonder-working God that still is able to do more than you ever dreamed possible in your life? He's still alive and well. He's still alive and well. Let's go to Numbers chapter 11 as I close. Sandra, go to the piano, please. Y'all have to sleep on me this morning. Now a wind went out from the Lord and it brought quail from the sea and left them fluttering near the camp. This is interesting. About a day's journey on this side and about a day's journey on the other side. All around the camp and about two cubits, which is three feet, so pretty high. Three feet above the surface of the ground. And the people stayed up all that night, or all that day, all night, all the next day. And they gathered the quail. He who gathered the least gathered ten homers, which is basically, for you country folks, fifty bushels. And they spread them out for themselves around the camp. There's times that God gives us a taste of victory to make us want more. On this journey, when you get discouraged, God sends quail. When you feel like there's not a way out, all of a sudden, manna, quail, start dropping out of the sky. You don't know where it come from. All you know is God did it. So when you don't feel like going on, God gives a taste of victory. It's an encouragement to the discouraged. It is like the song that says, He'll do it again. I want to leave you with Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 20 and 23. And this is my initial text. When your sons ask you in that time to come, saying, What is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, the judgments, which the Lord our God has commanded you? Now, I kind of just see Jacob and Esau and some of those whenever they're about to bless them. You know, their children are about, uh, they're about to die and their children or grandchildren come into the room. That's kind of what I'm picturing here. I'm just a a visualist. And so I kind of see the feeble father, he's sitting over here and grandpa and they're kind of, you know, everybody's getting old and feeble. And then all of a sudden, Junior, the teenager runs and says, hey, daddy, can you tell me the story? Can you tell me about The statues, the testimonies, what God did for y'all in your generation. To which then you shall say to your son, are you ready for this? We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a what kind of hand? With a mighty hand. Leave it there. Go back. 21. Notice what he said. We what? We were slaves. But the Lord has brought us out with the... Can I tell somebody today that if you ever think about going back to Egypt 
and you get discouraged on this journey, I need you to remember what He said. Tell your children, we used to be slaves. We used to be bound. We used to live like that. We used to be on our way to hell. But the Lord with a mighty hand, regardless of how down and out I was, regardless of how deep I was in sin, that mighty hand reached down and He brought me out of Egypt. Watch this. Does anybody remember that? Let's go on. And the Lord showed signs and wonders. Quail dropping, flying around, three feet high. Manna falling out of the sky. Water coming out of rocks. Red seas parting. Great and severe against Egypt. Ten plagues. Pharaoh and all his household. Verse 23. Then he brought us out from there that he might bring us in. There you go. To give us the land which he swore to our father. He brought us out of there so he can bring us into here. And I'm telling somebody that God brought you out of there so that he can bring you to here. And it is not a plateau. It is a higher place than you. There is a reason that God brought you out. He brought you in. He wants to bring you into favor. He wants to bring you into blessings. He wants to bring you into a church and community. He wants to bring you into an anointing. He wants to bring you to a place you never dream possible that's why he brought you out let's all stand I'm closing I promise so God did not go to the trouble of bringing you out so you could get bored so you could get comfortable let me tell you something folks there's a pile to be done I'm going to go two minutes over I met with children's ministry directors and leaders this morning I I need five, I really literally need five volunteers right now to to keep things running in the back. That's Junior Children's Church, Upper Children's Church. And to keep it flowing without killing people. Literally sweating, trying to chase kids. All right? I got a nursery that I can't even, I can't even open right now. I don't have enough volunteers. Just don't have enough manpower. So we, we, if God don't open up and send some people or we don't start paying somebody to do it or do something, we just have to shut her down. It's just the way it is, right? It's just the way it is. You do what you do, what you got to do. So don't tell me that you're comfortable in just sitting around and I want to be used by God. Well, hey, come to me. God, God wants to use you, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I got several things in need. There's tracks out there, Brad. People can walk by. It's a simple card that says this, this invitation or card can change your life forever. It's an easy handout. God needs laborers in His field. There's things to do. But if we're not careful, God will bring us out of Egypt to sit us at our comfortable plateau. Right? No, 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 no. The graph is going up. The demand is stronger than it's ever been before. The need is greater than it's ever been before. And so God says, I brought you out, but I'm bringing you into a place. God needs us to do His work. God wants us to live in victory, live in freedom. Not under Pharaoh's thumb, not under the enemy's thumb. So when you get victory, the world no longer holds anything over you. God is bringing deliverance to this house Right here, right now, today in Jesus' name.
God didn't bring us out of the world so we could go back to it. God has brought us out so that He can bring us into His house. Into our inheritance. And He wants us to bring some people with us. He wants us to go back into the world. Not to stay there. But to let someone out there that is bound by sin. He wants us to let them know that just like we were bound. You don't have to live here any longer. You don't have to stay here any longer. There is freedom in Jesus. There is something better for you than what Egypt has to offer. Child of God, walk in the favor that He's called you to walk in. In Jesus' name. Father, today I want to thank You for Your powerful Word. I want to thank You for who You are. I want to thank You for what You've done. I'm asking You that every time that sin entices us, every time that the adversary tries to discourage us and say, why don't You go back? Why don't You go back? I'm asking You to give us a holy boldness and a holy courage that we would tell the enemy eyeball to eyeball Satan get thee behind me you are a liar you are the accuser of a brethren there is nothing that comes out of your mouth but lies it is your foreign native language so in Jesus name I rebuke you I'm going to walk in favor I'm not going to get out of out of Egypt out of sin living this life of freedom and joy unspeakable and full of glory just so I could plateau and do nothing else and wait till Jesus comes I'm going to be part of the community. I'm going to be part of the work. I'm going to be part of the kingdom of God. Because that's exactly what God wants me to do. He's taken me to a higher place. He's taken us all to a higher place. In the name of Jesus. Can somebody shout amen? Give me a mic. Tell me really quick. Watch it. This guy right here was, how long were you in the hospital? Watch this. How long were you in the hospital with COVID? The last uh, Saturday in August until October the 1st. Did y'all grab that? August until October, right? When you went to the doctor, they told you you basically had permanent... My lungs were scarred. Scarred. Permanent lungs. Uh, to my understanding, always going to live on oxygen. Right? Pretty much. Pretty much. Always live on oxygen. Tell them what you did two weeks ago. Went to the doctor two weeks ago, or four weeks, however long you told me. I went to the, took a breathing test on December the 27th, and it was so bad I couldn't complete it. I had to stop it and get back on the oxygen and sit there until I recovered. Yep. Yep. And a week ago on Thursday, I went back and took another breathing test, had the oxygen off, didn't, didn't go, uh, didn't even get to the minimum levels. Praise God. Walked out of there without it. Yep. Never, never turned it back on. Amen. And the doctor. He, Last Thursday, went back to the doctor. He said, I see you're not on oxygen. I said, no, sir. He said, good. You don't need it. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody give God praise in this house. He showed me pictures of my lungs, what they were. And he said, there's a definite, a definite difference. I said, will I get better? Will, will it heal? He said, I don't know, but you're headed in the right direction. Amen. He said, there, there's, there were these big, enormous white spots in there. There were like little bitty pins in there. Praise God. And I walked out two weeks ago. I couldn't walk without being on oxygen. I don't need it anymore. Amen. He came here today without it. Can we give God praise in this house today? Thank you, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That's, 
got him to say that and tell you this, that the God that we serve is a miracle-working God. All right. God bless you guys. Shake hands and be friends.